Hello, and welcome to Scare You to Sleep. I'm your host, Shelby Scott. It's that time for you to sit back, relax, and escape with me to some horrifying other realities. Let's get away from the real world, shall we? First up this week, I do want to warn you about this first story. It contains a very brief mention of sexual assault. Nothing graphic, but it does come up for a moment, so please be warned, and feel free to skip to the second story of the night. This story is by Kate Nell Johnson. Kate didn't send along a title to this particular story, and I didn't realize it until the last minute, and I just emailed her and haven't heard back, but Kate, if you can email me, I will update the show notes with the proper title. It does make it a little more mysterious without a title, though. You have no idea what you're getting into. So, here we go. I have no doubt that you're used to finding the truth within a lie. I'm sure you listen to liars every single day in a place like this. But you see, the difference is... I lie for a reason, a damn good one. When I tell the truth, no one believes me. And the harder I try to convince anyone, the worse things get. It's how I ended up here. Try me. What the hell? Things can't possibly get any worse. It was meant to be a gift. This grand endowment of prophecy, an offering from Apollo himself in hopes of seduction, but it didn't work. Oh, I mean, the prognostication worked, worked like a freaking charm, but I still wouldn't let him have me. I told him that I was in love with someone else, that I needed to stay true to him, as I knew he would to me. That's... That's when Apollo gave me my next gift. The assurance that no one would ever believe what I told them about the future. And then he took me anyway. Despite my pitiful begging, knowing that it would ruin me and ensure the boy I loved would never have me again. As a final parting souvenir for bruising his tender ego... He granted me eternal youth. So for far too long, I've existed as a youthful female, a role that is universally held in low regard even without the added curse of perpetual disbelief. I suppose I should be grateful that I don't have to deal with a haggard body, but it might be a courteous warning sign to others about the haggard mind that lies within my supple frame. Maybe then people would leave me alone. Maybe then I could stop trying to pretend that I could use my gift for the benefit of humankind instead of the mayhem it inevitably causes me. Give me an example. How about the first one? Uh, The conflict... You refer to as the Trojan War? I told my father about everything. Everything. 
Yet even when prophecy after prophecy proved accurate, he and his advisors refused to believe me, laughing with his friends. It was infuriating. Just before the renowned horse arrived, I gathered what valuables I could and left my homeland. I've never been back. Uh-huh. How about something more recent? Okay. Sometime before World War II? <laughs> Why are you laughing? That was 70 years ago. Oh. It ended over 70 years ago. Sorry, you'll have to forgive me. Your lives are woefully short. I tend to forget. Besides, this case was so excruciating for me that it is still fresh in my mind. I saw it. I saw it all, from the blitzes in London to the Holocaust, through Europe to radioactive clouds in Japan. All from brushing up against a stroller-pushing woman in Austria. It wasn't until I was being dragged away that I realized I was screaming, Scotto Seto! Scotto Seto! at the terrified woman. And what does that mean? I'm sorry. I was so startled that I reverted to my native tongue. I couldn't help it. Never, not in over three millennia, had I personally seen anything so devastating. I fought the men that were trying to hold me back as hard as I had ever fought before, shouting, Taldeus! Ubiti! Tuele! Homora! Uchidilo! Homora! Kill it! I never stopped telling them what needed to be done in every language I thought might be understood. My throat was raw by the time I lost sight of the woman, but even over my shrill cries, I heard her consoling the little demon. Dorst, dorst, edaf, mama wird nichts zulassen, das bos mädchen wetun. There, there, Adolf. Mommy won't let that nasty girl hurt you. Over 85 million people died because I didn't have a chance to bash that infant's head into the cobblestone. How's that for an example? Why do you think you're here today? I know exactly why I'm here. Look, I've learned to ignore my premonitions. I know they're true, and I know I won't be believed if my considerable lifespan has taught me anything. It has been to accept those things so that I don't lose my mind. It's all that I have left. If I had been able to stay calm back in that village in Austria... I could have followed them home and dispatched of the tiny dictator as he slept. No one would have ever known. But I didn't. I let my emotions get the best of me. The vision was too horrible and I panicked. Since then, I vowed that if I had another warning of that level, I'd keep my head and try to take matters in my own hands. I failed again. 
but only because this one was worse. Much worse. Is that how you're trying to justify attempted murder? I'm not trying to justify anything. You asked for the truth. I gave it. I knew you wouldn't believe me. It doesn't matter anyway. Not now. It's too late. Now, why would you... What? What's that sound? I told you. It's too late. I wonder if I'll survive this too. I kind of hope not. Our last story of the night is by Alex Woolsey. I had so much fun with this one. We haven't had a... Hmm. How shall I put this? A more squishy type story, if you will, in a while. Let's just say, when I did the sound effects for this one... I reminisced a bit about doing the sound effects for the story, The Smile, a couple years ago. So, I present to you, Alex Wolsey's Le Silk Maudit, or The Cursed Circus. It was a crisp, chilly night, like any other, in late October. The carnival had long since shut down for the night, although a handful of the performers featured in Mademoiselle La Chapelle's Midnight Big Top weren't lucky enough to pack up and go home. They were stuck in the Big Top, even as the flaps of the tent waved in the nighttime breeze, sending bursts of frigid air into the tent. Lisette Lachance, the circus's resident puppeteer, sat on the freezing metal stool where she'd been sitting every night for some ridiculous length of time. Her stupid jacket was leagues too thin to offer any protection. Creamy white wool with gray stains, La Chapelle had handed the coat to her on the first day of her job with the gray stains already there, the stupid bitch of a woman. Double-breasted button-up. Sixteen button slots, four missing in the middle. Lisette knew because she'd counted them obsessively when the nights got long, which they always did. Shoulder pads, long sleeves. It sounded warm. It wasn't. Even though she was inside the damn tent, the stool was adhering itself to her gray woolen pants. Red stain on the left pant leg towards the ankle. Probably blood. Tear in the pants right above the knee, ratty, old, cold. She could see her breath, the fog a brief reminder of the thick, choking scent of cigarette smoke that clung to the overcoats of the folk who came in to laugh and howl over distressed freaks with painted-on smiles. Squeezing her eyes shut, she tried not to think of them ooing and awing at the fruits of Lizette's labor being jerked around like they were being played with by overly aggressive children with fat, clumsy fingers. 
Lizette had always wanted to make her puppets dance. La Chapelle made her hurt them. Or, more accurately, made the puppets mimic hurting themselves, ramming into walls and flinging themselves around, wood reinforced to prevent breaks. It wasn't funny. She wanted them to dance. Her hands flitting about her work, she glanced toward the mime in the corner, standing perfectly still and unblinking, head tilted to the side and pressed neatly onto the shoulders. Lisette could see the tendons of the thing pulsing and throbbing at the part of the bone-white neck that was still visible. She closed her eyes and tried to think of the last time she'd approached that mime. This time last year, was it? Yes. October 1971. She had been... 22? Yes. 22 and too curious for her own good. To her, that mime was one of the best, if not the best, mimes she'd ever seen. They were entirely silent, even when she got closer crawling and clinging onto the frigid metal rafter with just fragile bungee cords keeping her in place. She couldn't hear them. Couldn't hear them breathing. They were unsettling, Lizette thought, her arms bracing her willowy form to the metal beam, even as the bungee cords wobbled as she moved. She crawled closer and closer towards that mime. Their skin was like... like ivory... Smooth and pure white. Makeup, she figured, and a bald cap to cover the hair, or maybe the poor soul was just balding early. Or perhaps not early? It was uncanny how they were almost entirely devoid of any distinguishing features. Their face was so... generic. Unremarkable? Like some jumble of all the faces that Lizette had seen in her reasonably short time on Earth. So utterly normal that it circled right back round to the precise opposite. La Chapelle had painted two bright red diamonds just beneath the mime's eyes. Whenever Halloween drew near, La Chapelle would wrestle the mime's head into her hand, which was large, always sweaty, sometimes grimy, often wet with something that certainly wasn't water. Then she'd paint red below the mime's mouth. It was meant to be blood meant to give the attendees a harmless spook. Even as the mimes struggled and slashed at La Chapelle with spindly, thin limbs, they didn't make a sound. They just let her paint on their face. I really must stop daydreaming, Lisette thought, as she crawled down the beam towards the mime, standing perfectly still. Unless I want La Chapelle to beat me black and blue. Everybody else had left except for Lisette and the mime. Lisette still had work to do, because La Chapelle seemed to have a vendetta against the poor young woman, and the mime never seemed to leave. They had to eventually, of course. Lisette wasn't an idiot, but it was weird. She made it to the end of the beam. She planned to drop dramatically from where she was working upon the rafters, practicing being unnoticed, practicing manipulating her beloved puppets from up high where nobody could see her shaking with red strings slipping through her nimble, thrice-broken fingers. She planned to compliment the mime on their skills, ask what their name was. 
She needed a friend, she supposed. A friend other than lifeless puppets, because... That was silly and childish, and nobody but small children and weird adults who'd gone off the deep end had imaginary friends. She dropped, the bungee cords stopping her descent before restarting it so she'd have a safer landing, dangling just above the ground where she could land nimbly. Were she to fall during the show, it could be passed off as an acrobat, passed off as part of the show, except for that one time. That one time where Lizette had fallen and landed wrong and sprained her ankle. And then La Chapelle broke into a fit of rage and she should really stop daydreaming. The bungee cord snapped, though. Lizette didn't have long to fall by that point, though, and tumbled to the ground awkwardly. Unharmed except for a small, throbbing pain in the hand, she'd shot out to catch herself. She looked up to see the mime, peering down at her curiously. She snorted. You really aren't going to help me up? She got up herself, untangling the bungee cords and letting them drop. I'm Lizette, she said. Nobody calls me Lisa, except for a couple relatives off in England. No response. Tough crowd, Lizette said with a small, playful smirk. What's your name? No response. You're a real good mime, Lizette said, smiling in a way that she hoped was friendly. How do you do it? The mime smiled. Lizette smiled right back. (laughs) A response. The mime opened their mouth. And Lizette screamed. There was nothing but teeth, teeth, teeth splitting through the mime's cheeks and protruding from the throat and jutting down from the roof of their mouth and in the spot where their tongue should have been and Jesus fuck God there was nothing but teeth Lizette didn't return to work for three days that reprieve from that from that thing was worth the beating dragging herself free of the memory Lizette let her body slump with a soft sigh of contentment. Her eyes gleamed, filled with the kind of joy that only came with the completion of a long-lasting project, with that last flick of a brush completing the face of her brand new puppet. Lizette was by no means short, but the sheer amount of pride that welled in her chest like a dam about to break made her feel taller than she already was, like she could punch a hole through the wall or through La Chapelle. She thought, with a quirk of her mouth that resembled a smile. She thought that maybe she could run a marathon through not just the Parisian slums the circus called home, but through all of France, hell, all of Europe. Lisette noticed then that she had her chest puffed out, that her dark hair was falling in front of her face like a curtain as she tilted herself forwards with sparkling brown eyes, admiring her handiwork as though she were a small child. Everything but that pride slipped away. Her hair was a greasy, unstyled rat's nest from many nights spent working overtime. But she couldn't bring herself to care. The puppet was life-sized, sort of. Small, Lizette supposed, but 
a human small, not the unnaturally petite figures these things too often wind up being. They had pale skin, in stark contrast to Lisette's medium brown, as she encircled her hand around the creations, a small smile playing on her lips. The puppet had long, straight, auburn hair that reached its hips. Lisette's smile was understated, while the puppet sported a far more dazzling grin, showing off pearly white painted teeth, with a light delicately painted in its narrow, bright green eyes. Its hips were thin. Of course, it was all sculpting and careful construction and paint. Still, good God, was she proud as she touched the puppet's artificial locks with her left hand and her own, which was darker, shorter, and curlier. But regardless, Lisette marveled at the realism she'd pumped into her latest creation. The vast majority of poor Lisette's self-esteem had been dragged out of her by La Chapelle. Still, moments like these, where the big top was empty except for the mime motionless in the corner, Lisette couldn't care less, honestly. The puppet and Lisette herself filled her with pride. She carefully wound the cords around the puppet's joints, the brilliant red strands easily manipulated by Lisette's steady, well-trained hands. She stood up. Now all she had to do was wait for La Chapelle. She found herself bouncing slightly on her heels, face split into a goofy sort of grin as she stared into the painted face of the puppet. The flap of the tent was pushed open, and in strode Gisette La Chapelle, the ring mistress. La Chapelle was a rather lanky woman with pale skin, full lips, and short nose. Her face was weather-beaten, a rugged sort of attractive. Her sleek, toffee brown hair was done in a haphazard updo. Wide, glacial blue eyes peering out at Lisette from behind long lashes. Any random passerby would often assume La Chapelle to be a giggling, gossiping woman who'd never grown past her schoolgirl phases. But really, that couldn't be further from the truth. For all her warmth, for all the plastic smiles she flashed towards the rich young men who entered the big top, the blood that pumped its way to whatever imitation of a heart she possessed may well have been ice water. Miss La Chance, she drawled, voice sickly sweet. As she strode closer to Lisette, the puppeteer picked up on her boss's perfume. The scent of plums and lies and apricots hanging off her like a deceptively sweet mist. Beneath that was a rancid smell that made Lisette wrinkle her nose as she thought of rotting oranges. She stopped about a meter away from Lisette. What's this? She asked, tilting her head towards the puppet. Oh, Lisette said, crouching down slightly to shift the puppet into her arms, carefully arranging them to stand, supported by Lisette's suddenly shaking forearms as she held them in place. Newest creation, she said, unable to get out anything other than that as her voice wobbled. La Chapelle took a few more strides toward Lisette and the puppet. 
There was no sign of false kindness on her face, nor was there any malice. It was as though time stood still as she stared at the puppet, mouth pressed into a thin line, head tilted to the left as though she were mistaking Lizette and the thing she'd spent ages working on for some inept street performers. With a nervous smile, Lizette stepped back and shifted her hands to the threads, manipulating one arm of the puppet to wave at Le Chapelle. The ringmistress laughed. It made Lizette's ears ring, made her head pound worse than the sickly sweet rancid perfume. From the bag at her side, La Chapelle drew a razor-sharp knife. Before Lizette even had time to register what was happening, her boss had cut the strings. The puppet fell, slamming into the metal stool and bouncing off the floor. The wood splintered, and Lizette slapped a hand over her mouth to stop the yelp from escaping. Still laughing, La Chapelle slipped the knife back into her bag and left the tent behind. Lizette collapsed into her stool, eyes stinging. It was just a puppet, just a little bit of splintered wood. There was no need for her to work herself into such a state over it. It still hurt, though, and so she pulled her knees up and wrapped her arms around them, shutting her eyes and burying her face into the gap between her knees as though she were back in school back before she dropped out to earn cash for her struggling family. She almost laughed. She dug herself into quite the hole, hadn't she? Nowhere to go but up, she thought. The thought just as simultaneously sweet and rancid as La Chapelle's perfume. Deep down, she knew that she was underestimating her own drive to dig. All the pride she'd felt earlier left her, slipping away into the night. Dimly, she was aware that the mime had been able to see her in a sorry state over a puppet. She didn't care if it saw her. Nausea rolled over her like an ocean wave. Sweat beaded on her forehead, her chest tightened. A shiver ran up her spine and she could think of nothing else but the deep, deep desire to have somebody, anybody, to hold her, drape her in a warm coat and tell her it'd be all right. Honey-coated lies, she thought. God, she was so tired of being rejected. She glanced down at the puppet, glaring as she picked up on the flaws she'd missed in her swelling pride. The lips were unnaturally glossy, Joints too visible, limbs too thin. Shattered wood splintered the left cheek and chin, clearly visible even in the dim big top lights. From where the puppet laid on its back, empty green eyes staring upwards. With a cry of frustration, Lisette kicked the thing away from her. <coughs> it was surprisingly heavy, and Lisette let out a squeak of alarm as she knocked herself from her stool landing on the ground below with a dull thud. Her head rang. She squeezed her eyes shut, curling up slightly into the fetal position. God, this was so stupid. She got up, and the blood in her veins turned to ice. The puppet was standing, 
shattered wood clattering to the ground in jagged chunks to reveal the hollow interior of its head. It had caused a little bit of the mouth to crumble away as well, porcelain white wood falling to the ground like snow. Lisette was dimly aware that the puppet couldn't have possibly struck the stool hard enough to cause that kind of damage, but all she could focus on was its lumbering walk towards her, as auburn hair draped over its face, green eyes peering up from beneath its fringe. I'm not not going to hurt hurt you. Lizette slapped a hand over her mouth as the words screamed their way into her mind. The words sounded distant, echoey, and scratchy, as though they were coming from an incredibly loud radio on the other side of the big top tent. There's something melodic there, too. Almost sing-song, gentle, the kind of voice that soothed young children to sleep with tales of grandeur. The word siren song flashed in Lizette's mind, blinking like neon signs, and she shook them off. There was something beneath it, too. Like car brakes screeching to a halt. What? I have an idea. Lizette tried to compose herself. I... What? What? She took a deep breath. What's your idea? It... She... Tipped its... Her... Head to the side. Closer? Lizette did as the puppet asked. The puppet whispered its... Her... Sorry. Idea into Lizette's mind. And a wide grin spread across Lizette's face. The idea was absolutely demented. Beautiful. Mine. What? Tell Tell the mine. That. Lizette turned to face it. Him. Thing. I I don't want to talk to it. Don't Don't be be rude. rude. He. He, Not not it. it. Lizette gawked. You don't mean to tell me that that's a person. What? What? Lizette stood still, staring at the mime. He... He! Tell him! Lizette paused. Does he have a name? What? What? It was Cyril! Almost robotically, mechanically, Lizette strode towards the mime, shaking ever so slightly. She clenched her fists together, scratching her nails against her palms to satiate her suddenly jittering nerves. She threw furtive glances towards the flap leading outside, flapping in the breeze, inviting cold air in to lash at her face and send the dress and artificial hair of the puppet some distance away to wave forwards as leaves skittered through the opening and across the ground. Lizette swallowed and turned around as the puppet cocked her head to one side, unblinking. Probably because she didn't have eyelids, Lizette thought, laughing in spite of her rather harrowing situation. She raised one hand, still clenched into a fist, up to her mouth, 
and bounced her knuckles against her lips as her deep brown eyes flitted everywhere but the mime. Cyril, remember? And the puppet. I rather rather like that that word. word. Puppet? That's That's my my name now. Lizette realized with a start that she was but a few strides away from Cyril. Good job. Thanks, I think. Swallowing, she tried to project into Cyril's head, just as Puppet had projected it into her head. Cyril, can you hear me? I can. I don't know if I'm Cyril anymore, though. Names. Names require something. Something I've lost. I don't know what the something is, but I don't have it anymore. I'm just a mime, a performer, all the world's a stage, and all the men and women on it, merely players. Lizette blinked. She'd never expected somebody who had nothing but teeth inside their mouth to talk quite so much, and she especially didn't expect them to start quoting Shakespeare. She shook off the surprise and reminded herself that she had seen stranger things. After all, one time, when she was just a girl, a woman with claws in place of fingers had asked her to come play in the woods. Shaking that off, Lizette projected the plan into the mime's head. A smile spread across their face, far too wide, cracking their lips so that bright scarlet fluid dripped down from the cracks. They'd heard. The mime nodded, their smile growing larger somehow. With a swallow, Lizette turned back around to face the puppet. When? Once the ringmistress returns. Lizette nodded, swallowed. Her legs were shaking. She pulled in one breath, two, three... She just had to breathe, take this one step at a time, and it'd be all right. La Chapelle walked back into the tent without warning. Flinging back the tent curtain with her usual dramatic flourish, her foul perfume causing Lizette to choke before the woman was even moving towards her. What the hell are you doing? La Chapelle barked, pouting in the kind of way people called attractive, so long as you discounted the genuine malice and targeted disdain in her eyes. She kicked the now motionless puppet. Lista! (sighs) She cut herself off, sentence trailing off into the chilly autumn air as she locked eyes with the mime. Lizette turned to see that the mime was still grinning, blood now dripping freely from the corners of their mouth and trailing down their cheeks and chin. But that wasn't what had caught La Chapelle's now frozen gaze. The mime was holding their head in their hands, jerking it harshly to the side. Lizette could see blue-purple veins bulging from the stretched muscle as the mime continued to tilt their head further, too far. The horrible cracking of snapping bones resonating through the tent like a gunshot as the mime snapped their own neck. They smiled wider. Lizette had to hold back a scream as the mime tilted their head back to where it should have been, hanging limply from its broken neck, 
their smile never wavering and eyes unblinking. La Chapelle stumbled back, scream catching in her throat with a sound like somebody choking a cat as she turned around and vomited onto the ground. La Chapelle stood upright, only to shriek once again upon seeing Puppet get up from where she lay on the floor, a sound that made Lizette tremble with both anticipation and terror. She'd never heard something like that. A shrill shriek that made her ears ring and head pound. La Chapelle kept screaming as Puppet boxed her in towards the mime. She didn't stop screaming until her air was cut off with a choking gasp as the arms of the mime, who should have been dead, wrapped around her neck in a cruel mimicry of a hug. They pulled her upright as she scratched at their arms, flailing as her mouth opened and closed, attempting to scream to no avail. All that escaped her lips were quiet gurgles and whimpers, as silent tears dripped down her cheeks. Stepping forward, Lisette took the strings La Chapelle had cut, then pulled the knife from her boss's bag. Kneeling in front of her, Lizette could hear choking gasps and whimpering pleas for forgiveness. Lizette found herself faltering, the knife slipping from her fingers. Do it! Lizette turned to face Puppet, who stood behind her with her head tilted, arms crossed. She took a deep breath, nodded, then picked the knife back up. Holding her boss's hand in place, she drove the knife through the sides of each of La Chapelle's fingers. Her boss thrashed as Lizette then threaded the strings through the bloody holes, looping them around and through until she tied them as securely as she could. The mime let go, stepping back, satisfied, as La Chapelle sobbed as blood dripped down her arms and pooled on the floor. Puppet and the mime headed to the now-abandoned seats the audience had occupied earlier that night, and Lisette put on a show. Thanks for listening. Just a heads up about Patreon, I just received an email from them and soon my $1 tier will be turning into a $2 tier. However, if you're already part of the $1 tier, your monthly amount will not go up. Your $1 amount will remain the same. It just won't be available for new people. This change will be happening beginning March 10th. Happy birthday, JJ! So you have time to become a $1 patron and have access to all bonus content until then, and then it will just turn into a $2 tier. Which brings me on to Patreon shoutouts. Thank you so much to Jessalyn Templin, Matthew Birch, Amanda uh, Amendank, <laughs> Anne Hayes, Ian Epperson. Oh, thank you, Ian. You guys go check out Olive Hill if you haven't yet. And also Ian is part of the big secret project that I told you about a few months back or a few weeks back. And I'm really excited to share it with you. Anyway, Felicia Featherbay, Nicholas Sir, Jenny Ainley, Matthew Self, 
and Amy Swindle. Thank you so much, all of you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I want you all to know that you're all kind souls who deserve love and happiness, and I'm sending you love and light and hugs. You can follow the show on all social media, Reddit, Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, and Instagram. There are links to my personal pages too from those if you want to follow me. I don't really know why. I don't I don't update that much, but if you have a submission, please send it to scaryoutosleep at gmail.com. I've been getting some spectacular work from you all lately. It brings me so much joy to fully produce your stories with sound effects and music and all the things your stories deserve and for you to have as a keepsake for all of your time and effort. I put hours into every single story and give each of them love and care and I really hope it comes through to my authors. Also, don't worry if you if you submit something and I haven't gotten back to you or something. Uh, sometimes it takes me quite a while to get back to people about their submissions. I have a system but it's not great and I'm working on it. But um, like for instance, tonight, both these stories were submitted a couple months ago. Um, And then sometimes I'll get a story in the same week and I'll just really like it and it just strikes my mood and I'm feeling inspired to really produce it and it'll get produced in the same week. I don't really have a schedule. I don't have them timed out. I probably, that was one of my new year's resolutions sort of, but um we're working on it. But so yeah, if you submit a story and you know, I think I talked about it in my true story episode, some of those I had literally been sitting on for a whole year because it had been a whole year since I'd done a true stories episode. So don't get discouraged if for some reason it's like it's not getting on the show. And I don't necessarily say yes or no right away when I get submissions because I don't necessarily get to read them right away, especially some of the longer ones. I'll get stories that are, you know, several pages long and I'll get them when I'm at my other job and save them into my little file and I'll, you know, get to them later. But anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there. If you sent me a story a couple months ago, I actually have a few that I'm considering for the brevity episode that I've had for a while. So if you sent me something pretty short, I can guarantee you it's probably going to be in the brevity episode. Anyway, remember to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or... If you don't have an iPhone, you can now rate and review the show on Podchaser. Also, by supporting my sponsors, you are directly supporting me and letting them know that you think I'm cool. So thank you for always using my offer codes. I think that's it for tonight. Now, go get some sleep. Sweet dreams.